This is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. This is episode 181 of the Movements Podcast. Today we're talking to Dave Lawton in Melbourne, Australia about Praxis, a mission agency that fuels disciple-making movements around the world. It really started for me when I was in India and uh, uh, we were serving God with a mission organisation there. Our primary focus was not movements, but we were there with an agenda for the mission organisation and uh, God gave, gave us the grace of some people coming to Christ and then multiplying really quickly um, into groups. We had a, a Nepali Brahmin man who came from Nepal and ended up on our doorstep wanting to know Christ. And uh, by, we didn't know much about um, Nepali Brahmins, uh, but by living with him and spending time, he came to Christ within a f- couple of months of being with us, living in our house. And uh, very fast, he multiplied. So within, within a short time, we had multiple groups running around. And I didn't train him to do that. Uh, I was not the expert. I was the learner, yet I was the discipler. He started to multiply really fast. So it, it just found you. It found us, yeah. Through this guy. And we had, uh, we had other workers in other slums where people were coming to Christ uh, as part of our team, and they were multiplying very fast and really uh, from extraordinary stories of ordinary people, sometimes the, the least of the least, people with their legs chopped off, uh, living on the edge of a slum in utter hopelessness, coming to Christ and starting to multiply very fast to, uh, like the high caste Brahmin, to a Kashmiri Muslim who had a power encounter with Jesus uh, Jesus turning up in his bedroom and then starting to be a church planter. Multiple stories that made us learners, not teachers. And what, what did you learn out of that experience? Uh, the gospel itself has power to multiply. And the gospel planted in good soil multiplies. I, I, uh, also, the concept of people of peace is very clear in reflection but at the time, we were just on the right. We didn't actually know what we were a part of. As, um, as only as ref- we were in reflection that we went, wow, look at what God was doing. As well as that, we had the privilege of discipling some movement leaders' sons, um, people like Victor Chowdhury, and uh, sent his son and came and visited us to, for us to disciple him. And we, we connected with movement leaders in India and that were just on the verge of what God is doing today uh, in, in movements. And so we had the privilege of hearing from these men of God and women of God, seeing what God was doing and just going, wow. So we're definitely students and learners. And the learning really came after the fact, not, not before the fact. We didn't come in with a set of tools. We were just in this atmosphere of learning, we came back into Australia um, thinking that we had much to learn about church because we weren't doing church professionally, um, and we joined with a wonderful mega church, our home church, Crossway mm. Baptist. I was missions pastor and um, uh, church planting pastor, and also uh, covering uh, the training of student uh, student pastors and interns. 
And in that journey, really the challenge of our Western context struck us because we were uh, planting traditional churches with programmatic styles, not seeing fruit and of harvest-based fruit. We did some see some anecdotal fruit, but really some of our churches went two, three years without anybody coming to Christ. Um, and a deep level of frustration growing mm. in me of how do we do that? And you were part of that journey too, of helping me think differently and helping me uh, think movement and uh, helping me um, jump into that space, as well as then reading through the Gospels and the aha moments of seeing how Jesus did this. In fact, two to three years of just eating the Gospels and hassling my wife, going, do you see this? Do you see this? And and being involved, you, you taking me under your wing, um, different ones that were there. And then we encountered um, Floyd McClung mm-hmm. uh, and brought him out and he was speaking the same language of discipleship that multiplies. And through Floyd, Floyd introduced me to David Watson mm-hmm. and that really provided for me some very helpful keys of uh, the Discovery Bible Study, DMM, as a method of seeing movement take place. And um, really, all that combined, the context of a very hard uh, Western context, uh, movement thinking, the paradigm of a local church um, that was really trying to do its best job but was stuck in, in some forms and mm. methodologies that weren't producing fruit, and the mixing then of the Gospels plus meeting other movement leaders put us on the journey of where we are today. So that's how we, we are here today, still students and learners, and mm. still trying to get um, traction and fruit. Yeah. So where is here today? What does that look like? Yeah. So we started the journey while being part of Crossway Baptist. And the Crossway was, is a unique church because it's gracious and generous and and gives a lot of permission to have a go. Mm. And we started to do that in the western suburbs of Melbourne as part of Crossway. Um, And then jumping in and seeing these principles at work. As we did that, people started to gather around us, naturally drawn into what we're doing. Uh, Relationships were formed. And people started to take their piece of the pie. We had a leader put his hand up for Western Sydney, a vision for the nation developed out of prayer, and then the nation's as in the, the Great Commission challenges us never to finish at the borders of our nation. And so uh, out of that, Praxis, an organisation, was born um, actually about six years ago today. And um, we started to uh, catalyse workers to do um, disciple-making movement focus all around Australia, a vision for saturation of this nation and multiplication into the nations to do the same. So today um, we have seen really um, a great, wonderful group of workers. Some of these guys are my heroes, um, putting their life on the line. Um, people like Stephen Mel in far north Queensland who are, who are just um, giving up a, a wonderfully successful career, buying a caravan, taking on a massive area of far north Queensland seeing the birthing of discovery groups in remote communities, country towns, all over the place. Um, they count the cost by living in their caravan, visiting their home, 
um, uh, traveling around to see that birth. And, but we have multiple leaders around Australia trying to do that. And then um, by God's um, grace of just mixing us with, connecting us with right people, we've got work in numbers of nations now. Our first discovery Bible study in Laos uh, was run last night by one of our workers. Um, that's, a, that's an exciting first step for us. Um, and um, so in nations like uh, US, in Seattle, uh, to Singapore, to uh, India, to uh, Hong Kong, to New Zealand, to Eastern Europe, um, and probably uh, Indonesia, uh, mm. uh, significant work developing in Indonesia, um, uh, and uh, a number of other irons in the fire, as it were. We have seen a number of national focused ministries developing uh, around the world. So uh, great expansion and great um, running to keep up with that expansion mm. as, as we see leaders putting their hand up saying, yeah, I want a piece of this pie and uh, joining in. So, mm. What does it look like? Uh, maybe that example of the, is it a couple in far north Queensland? Mm. Um, so to start these discipleship groups, these mm. discovery groups, uh, how, what does it look like for them right from the beginning to when the groups are formed? What, what are they doing? They're, they're, they begin by prayer, and prayer is not a token word. We actually strategize, measure prayer uh, so that the workers get together, they pray. Um, we can't measure what God does in prayer, but we can actually measure that God, uh, our leaders pray. And uh, they begin to hear from God. And then one of the deep values of what we do is being led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And uh, through that leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, they will get led to certain areas, towns, regions. They'll go to that town and they'll start to prayer walk and start to see what is the natural access points in that community. Mm-hmm. So that might be working in a... Um, um, uh, domestic violence shelter uh, that might be prayer walking a street and meeting up mm. with people and just having conversations that might mean um, a whole variety of, of ways of accessing that community but as they walk into that community they will pray and pray and pray and the objective is to really find the meaningful access into the community that they can begin spiritual conversations with that uh, that those people who are interested to discover who is a person of peace and that person of peace is um, uh, is the one who will actually be the facilitator of the group. That person of peace is the one that will start the group. And we emphasise that that our workers are not to run the groups. Mm. Our workers are to facilitate others to run the groups. And that's one of the key learns that we've had, actually, is whenever our workers run a group, they often get stuck in the group and it doesn't multiply. And so we, we see that where there is coaching of a facilitator, an inside leader, a person of peace, especially harvest-based groups, um, uh, that group quickly uh, will form and multiply down to second generation uh, in Australia much faster than if we are either running a group or the second thing is if it's pr- more Christians running the group than non-Christians. So they, they will focus on facilitating uh, coaching facilitators in various settings. So Stephen Mel, for example, 
have about 10 or 12 groups uh, running at the moment and their job is to coach those facilitators, keep the, the idea of uh, disciple-making movements alive and the, the DNA, which it takes a while to, to plant and catch, uh, and to see that multiplying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, a, I imagine, a slow build in, yeah. in the early stages yeah. because you're trying to find that God-prepared person, person yes. of peace. Yes. And even then, um, you're meet, the worker is meeting with that person. They may not yet be a believer. That's right. right? Yes. And they're seeing, can I coach? First of all, they're reading the Bible with those folks. And they're coaching them to form a group yeah. with people from their world. Yes. They might not actually read the Bible with that person. Okay. They might actually just give them the scripture mm-hmm. and say, go and do this with your group and let me know okay. how that goes. Wow. Uh, it's a variety. It's yeah. It's a variety of reading the Bible. Uh, yeah. There's a whole variety of groups that are there. Mm-hmm. Where we see it most fruitful as in people coming to Christ and also multiplication naturally taking places where the leader is not actively involved in running the group mm. and the the group is harvest-based. So, in other words, it's not four Christians inviting their three other um, yeah. non-Christian friends in, which we have a few of those groups running, mm. but it's where there's a, a person of peace and the, the, it's... it's uh, non-Christians gathering together. That's well, the it, most fruitful. It must be hard to find those people. It is hard and it takes time. And the, the, the hard slog of this um, is uh, patience, going slow to go fast and to be able to find that person in peace and go slow enough that that person gets it and actually grounds it into a group that multiplies. These are our challenges and and there are there are a number of stories where we're not doing it correctly and we mm. we are failing and learning we want to fail quickly so we can learn quickly um, uh, but we, there are numbers of stories we can point to them going hey we didn't do that right or gee mm. we didn't really know that or we made some mistakes there so um, uh, um, yeah, it's a really, really challenging uh, work to be involved in. Is the DMM or church planting movements um, are are exciting to be part of at first, the first uh, initial stages because it's mm. full of vision mm. and it's really exciting. The next stage is hard work and blood, sweat, and tears, and this is where. People will get sold on the concept. They'll start it and they'll actually discover that this is actually mm. requires some perseverance, some hard work, strategic thinking, some failures, so that you can learn to do it better. Without that perseverance, um, you won't get to where you need to go. Without doing the hard yards, and so our constant coaching is about um, into the spaces of encouragement and mm. fruitful practice. And what will work better? What can we learn from what we're doing that's not right? And, um, and uh, yeah, so it is blood, sweat and tears that then moves into some uh, uh, group formation that then moves into multiplication. Um, it's not just a silver bullet um, mm. that, that if you just do this within six months, you'll have four generations. Um, this, this stuff is actually takes a, a commitment of a more of a long-term view that we've got to endure to see the fruit that God wants to see. Mm. 
But the key principles are uh, bathing it in prayer. Absolutely. And a lot of that is corporate prayer, teams coming together. Yeah. Um, uh, Intentionally connecting in the community, looking for that God-prepared person. Absolutely, yes. And then empowering them to begin reading the Bible intentionally Mm. with people in their world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And maintaining a coaching relationship with that key person. That's the, that's where both the finding the person and maintaining the coaching relationship uh, to help that person uh, uh, commit is is really key. So the finding the person is the the strategy, the entrance strategy. How do we enter into community to find not just the hungry person for the gospel, but the actual person that will create a group. And that's where David Watson's training of us a, a number of years ago, a few years ago, brought us through the paradigm shift of don't go for the individual, always mm-hmm. go for groups, and don't start until you find a group. Mm-hmm. And and that's um, that's that was a big challenge. That rocked us. That went, whoa, that's mm-hmm. that's hard. We actually spent two to three days in retreat wrestling through that one question: is that what is that a strategy that we adopt wholeheartedly? Mm-hmm. Or was that a nice thought? And when we went through two or three days. We looked into the scripture. We argued with one another. And we concluded that was the right way to go. To actually see multiplication, we needed to see groups. It was very important. So we, we actually made that a focus. Our numbers went down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our board reports didn't look great. Because <laughs> once we started to say, don't go for individuals, go for the groups, um, there were a lot of individuals that we were, we were doing stuff with that we actually had to change and shift to focusing on groups. But then, uh, after a time, our numbers have grown again and we actually see group formation taking place. From, from that paradigm shift, um, the next one is don't run the groups yourself. Mm. F- uh, coach the facilitator, the inside leader. And so keys for multiplication is when we're not running it. So if, the, if we're running it, the expert is in the room, they, they don't feel empowered to, to pick up the scriptures, handle the scriptures, therefore multiply the scriptures. They feel like they need an expert to tell them. But if we're not there, if we're coaching it, everybody's in, in a peer-based learning discovery relationship, it tends to multiply faster. Mm. And, and so, yeah. And so, just around Australia, Australia's your base, yep. but you're global. Yep. But around Australia, roughly, how many groups are, are meeting? Uh, we have over 50 groups meeting, but 35 of them are discovery Bible studies with non Christians. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And some of them have gone to second generation. Yeah. All right. And do you um, give that key? Uh, connected person a, a, a set of scriptures to read or you just hand them a Bible what's what's typical that's another one of our bigger harm moments that we're processing um, and this is a real challenge in the western context the standard set of scriptures used for discovery Bible study has been formed from North Africa amongst animist slash Muslim people groups and works brilliantly in that context Put, Is that the creation to Christ? Creation to Christ, yeah. yeah. Uh, put that in front of a group of Sikhs, it doesn't make sense. Put that in another uh, set of people, 
uh, it's quite difficult. So one of our real uh, lessons is we actually have to develop scripture lists that either creation to Christ or we, we can call it beginning to baptism mm-hmm. um, that takes people through the crucial uh, lessons that they need to learn about God to accept Christ and become his follower and be baptized. And so um, that's starting usually with the creation narrative, grounding them in the overall narrative of the Old Testament ending in Christ. The, the, creation, uh, the um, narrative for, say, a Sikh group, who is so used to talking about the name of God being the salvation, might be a creation to Christ based around God revealing his name as a way of Mm. salvation, culminating in Christ, the ultimate one, name, through whom we be saved. So you would develop a a, a totally different narrative to a sacrifice narrative, which is what's been developed for Muslims who are so attuned to Eid and the laying the hands on the, the lamb which is obviously such a clear thing in Scripture. But what is it for Western, Western Aussies, white Aussies? What's the narrative that they need to learn? And we ask every regional leader to sit down and develop a story set that's not just applicable for the person in front of them, because that might be a grieving mum, or they might mm. want to do a, a story set for women. Mm. But that's not necessarily how it's going to multiply. You need to develop a discipleship pathway that's applicable for second, third, and fourth generation to make Mm. it simple enough that you've done the hard work thinking through that discovery scripture set. And then they take that and they're able to, without thought, pass it on to the next group and it, it lands. Some of the key questions you need to ask when we're putting our scripture sets together is... What is the culture asking about God? Who is God? What is he like? The second thing is, what are the barriers mm. in that culture uh, towards God? And what do the scriptures say about that? Um, what do we need to know about God to know that he sent his son, um, Jesus, to us? What, um, what are the scriptures that resonate in that culture? Now, that might sound like a funny thing, but some people can do a discovery Bible study and find it falls flat. And they said, well, discovery Bible study doesn't work. And they said, well, maybe you're doing the wrong scripture. So I remember doing the scriptures of um, John the Baptist confronting the uh, tax collector and the soldiers and the Pharisees uh, in, um, in the baptism narrative there with John the Baptist and with a group of Iranians. And I was, I was really thinking, gee, because some of these had never done any discovery Bible that joined in through the Iranians that we're reaching and I'm thinking well this was the wrong scripture to start with it resonated so deeply uh, the permissions out of that bit, uh, out of that group to for people to get baptized was just phenomenal mm. because of the issue of corruption of the issue of um, you know uh, sharing of justice that they saw as a major lack within their culture, their country, and they looked at what who Jesus was. And so it resonated and it sparked. Mm. And so you're looking for the stories that make sense, that resonate within the culture. So that story might not resonate with another culture, but there are a whole bunch of stories that do, that help them 
uh, know who Jesus is and become his follower. So you're looking for those kind of questions to be thought through um, to develop a scripture set that's really simple. Put it on a bookmark. That, that new believer can take it and go to that next generation and start a new group. The hard work's been done. Um, and they, they start multiplying that. So we're working, we have an East Timorese um, group uh, that's come out of the harvest. And we've been spending this year with that group developing a scripture set. So these new believers are developing the scripture set that makes sense from them, from creation to Christ. And, and we're going slow so that when we're ready to launch into East Timor, that the scripture set has been developed that makes sense for their context, and they can just pass it to the first group, do this. They can coach, and the inside leader can facilitate the group using the scriptures, but that can be easily passed on. So simple is reproducible, um, um, and the, the work of the outside leader is to handle the complexity of, of doing that so it's able to plant something that's reproducible. And typically it's going to go... From creation to Christ or, or beginning yeah, to baptism. Definitely that's our, our focus is creation to Christ. Um, we have seen some contexts where just starting with um, the Gospels and just stories, what we describe as stories for the hungry, five to ten stories for the hungry, mm. um, really do resonate as well and are sufficient mm. um, um, in certain contexts. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then <clears throat> as those groups move into discipleship mm. and uh, form functionally as church? Absolutely. Uh, how do you help them discover what, what it means to be part of the body of Christ, what it means to be church together? The, the next step is actually developing it. As soon as they, they've gone through that is to develop a scripture set of church, which is, which is uh, starting with Acts 2.42 and that story, and then the various instructions of what it is to love one another, to serve mm. one another, to forgive one another, the one another's in the New Testament, plus other, uh, when you come together, uh, do this instructions that are found in, say, Paul's teaching about communion and, um, and uh, sharing uh, revelation and songs and words with one another. Those... those um, those uh, New Testament uh, scriptures can take, um, you know, you could do uh, up to 15 to 20 lessons mm. from the New Testament on, on church formation of how we're to live with one another. And in all that, it also has to focus on multiplication and mission in every session. Mm. So it, they need to be able to say uh, how, the, the third question of Discovery Bible study is how are we helping others um, and so they're immediately outward focused into helping others in their community. So we have people feeding the poor, caring for cancer victims uh, out there uh, in the community. And the last question of Discovery Bible Study is, with whom will you share this truth mm. that you've learned today? So they're sharing the word and they're caring for people in the community. So those two are fundamental um, multiplication um, dynamics need to be built into the church um, a formation process mm. uh, so that they're learning how to be the church but they're all the time multiplying outwards um, there. So mm. I'm just sort of reflecting on, because there are different streams that are pursuing disciple-making movements or mm. church-planning movements. 
what you're doing is uh, very centered on the person of peace. Yeah. Uh, it's very focused on we want a group yeah. to go the journey of discovery. Yeah. They're going to get to the gospel, mm. but it's going to take time as they're reading the scriptures, mm. as they're following the story set. Mm. It's, and, and so we want them to discover Christ together as a group. Yes. So we want to protect that. Mm. Uh, other forms of multiplication movements will say, no, no, up, up front we're going to share the gospel mm. and, and then we'll get yeah. into discipleship. Yeah. Or So... They're trying to achieve the same thing, yeah. but in a different, it's not even a different, it's a different tweak mm. of a strategy mm. where mm. you're still gospel centered, but you're saying people need a journey mm. to understand the context and the full picture. Yeah. Is, that, is that right? Yeah, I, I would say um, evangelism is creating that picture that people buy into of the, the narrative of scripture. Who is God? His Son, Jesus Christ. What is He asking us to do? And obeying Him and teaching them to obey everything that He's commanded. So the scripture out of Colossians, it says, in the same way that you have come to Christ, continue in Him. So if you have come to Christ in a certain way, continue in that way of obedience or integrity, discipleship is really key. In saying that, um, there are people that come to Christ at all stages in this mm. process. Right from the beginning, they, they study Genesis chapter 1, they say, oh, I'm in, mm. I want to follow, and, we, and, and they're ready. So mm. it's not just hard and fast that they, they, mm. they have to do 20 lessons. They, they actually become God followers at various stages in the process. Um, and um, ready to be baptized, ready uh, to... Um, yeah, make Christ Lord of their lives. Um, so it's very interesting. Uh, different gifts facilitate different responses too. So an evangelistic gift, even if they're an outside leader, will see people come to Christ very quickly, while uh, others will will do the distance. Um, and so uh, we're managing a, a wide variety of responses and, and processes in that big picture. But yes, as you described it, that's our, our focus is to see group formation, discipleship happen to, towards conversion and baptism, church formation and multiplication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dave, what, what's the vision that God's put on your heart and the, the call that's on praxis? Mm. It's, it's um, based around the Great Commission, Matthew 28, is to make disciples in all nations. And that, practically speaking, we started in Australia. And so our first port of call is to see saturation in Australia uh, take place. Um, But um, in that uh, same breath, we're to be a global mission to see workers in the nations uh, doing the same for their people group and their nation. And so it's uh, local in the sense that we want to see saturation happen we want to join hands with everyone who's doing that um, and uh, see saturation in every community, in our nation, every country, town, every area. That's our, that's our big vision. And uh, we want to see leaders, apostolic leaders, nation takers, people who would stand on behalf of a people group or a nation to catalyse movement in their context 
uh, all around the globe, uh, particularly unriched peoples. But we have a particular heart also to see stuff catalyzed in Western Europe, which we haven't got there yet. Uh, we'd love to see stuff multiply in the US. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nation that needs the gospel as, as any other. Uh, and uh, right through um, the 1040 window, um, that region there, we want to see lots and lots of workers there. So we have workers in central India. Um, uh, that's fast and multiplying, going down to fourth or fifth generation very fast. Um, and uh, in Indonesia, we're seeing some really exciting um, stories going down to a second, third, and f- I'm not quite sure if we're at fourth generation there, uh, but we've got groups of leaders gathering, and that's really exciting there. So um, in the big picture of the global scene, there are some really fruitful mm-hmm. grounds. So as you jump into those grounds, it's uh, it's really exciting. It's when you're in the in places like Australia that you, you suddenly you mm-hmm. find yourself going, wow, this is this is a lot of different dynamics happening here. You've mm-hmm. got to... Uh, you've got to uh, just figure out what's the best way here, Jesus. How do we how do we see breakthrough happen in our context? Um, mm. And um, a lot of that is based around um, prayer, but a lot of that is based around um, uh, uh, trying to connect out of the church into the harvest and seeing harvest groups develop and facilitating inside leaders. I think is we've. Looking at the research and the way we've dug deep, that is where it's producing the most fruit. Mm. And so we go, okay, that's that's some real keys for us here in Australia. Mm. What sort of people are you looking for to to partner with, to to join the cause, to get trained? What typically what what sort of people? Handsome, good-looking, rich people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a good question, Steve, because everybody is called to be a disciple maker and everybody, or God uses ordinary um, people from ordinary communities and the surprising um, people who join up are, the, are often the unlikelies, often the ones you wouldn't pick and they, they start to do stuff and you go, wow, look at that. God is, God is not a respecter of any man in the way we view people. We are, we are looking for people that have a heart for the harvest, number one, that really are wanting to make a difference. Number two, they want it, they're willing to step out and try new things, different things. They're, they're really wanting to um, uh, try something that, that is a little out of the box. Uh, three, that they're committed to have a real relationship with Jesus and uh, a real relationship with the Word of God. That's one of our deep values is every worker um, lives out the idea of reading the word, obeying the word, hearing the spirit speak to them through the word and applying that. Um, And so it's mission, it's the Holy Spirit and his work in prayer and it's the word of God forming the worker. People that are committed to those values, those three big fundamental values are the the foundation from which we work um, as far as a worker's life goes. The rest, gifting, personality, is up for grabs. (laughs) Um, If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave a review on iTunes or spread the word through social media? It helps a lot. 
This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.